welcome to the podcast of Constanti Brooks Smith and Profit, in which we discuss labor and employment news and provide practical tips that you can use at your company or in your practice. I'm your host, Susan Basford Wilson. I'm a partner with Constanti out of St. Louis, and I am delighted to be joined for today's podcast by my co-host and partner, Sherry Silberman, who works out of Constanti's Tampa office. Thank you for joining me, Sherry. Thanks, Susan. It's always fun. Our last episode tackled the basics of the Family and Medical Leave Act, which we typically call FMLA, and we wanted to devote today's episode to address some of those thorny, challenging situations that can arise when you are administering FMLA. So, in short, it's story time, which, to be honest, is much more entertaining than talking about dry definitions and eligibility criteria. So Sherry, let's start out with your hypothetical from last time. Once upon a time in a far off kingdom called the United States of America, there was a law called the FMLA under which certain eligible employers provided leave to eligible employees. And in that land, there lived a fair maiden who took a two week beach vacation while on FMLA leave and her employer found out about it. Probably because a coworker helpfully brought the boss a color printout from the employee's Facebook post or Instagram page. You know, the million dollar question is, Sherry, can you discipline or terminate this employee? Susan, I think the million dollar question really is, why was she dumb enough to post this to Instagram or Facebook? Fair but, enough. Yeah. Besides that, um, let's first start by saying that this scenario isn't really all that hypothetical. There are multiple reported cases of this exact situation. And so to cut to the chase, there really is no clear cut answer to this question because there are a lot of factors that come into play. Wait a second. You mean it depends? Said no lawyer ever? I know. Okay. So this really is based on a case that came out of Washington state in 2015. So I can at least give you an answer as to what happened in this one. So there was an employee, Lucy, who was approved for intermittent FMLA leave for migraine headaches. And the year after she was initially approved, she submitted a doctor's note excusing her from work for a two week period, specifically stating that one of the two weeks was for quote, FMLA vacation. FMLA vacation. It's true. It said that Um, It was approved. And so a few weeks later, she packs her bathing suit and sunscreen and off she goes on her cruise. And it really didn't get anyone's attention until Lucy's stepfather goes into the office and shares the news with one of Lucy's coworkers. Oh, I bet that was awkward. Yeah. She's like, how's Lucy? Uh, Lucy's fine. She's enjoying the cruise. But so I don't think Lucy was earning friends that day. And then it caught management's attention. So HR reached out to Lucy's doctor directly, expressed some concern about the two-week FMLA leave, and posed a number of questions to the doctor to determine whether the condition actually qualified for FMLA leave. I think the doctor did his best to try to argue that there was some medical benefit to her taking the cruise, but ultimately he indicated that Lucy was not incapable of working during that time that she was on the cruise. Uh, so let me guess, the company was not thrilled with this, and they fired Lucy. Of course. 
And then, of course, she files a lawsuit against the company alleging she was unlawfully terminated for taking FMLA-protected leave. There were certainly arguments on both sides, but the company won because Lucy couldn't produce any evidence that a two-week cruise was actually medically necessary to deal with her migraines. You know... I can see and I can understand the desire to come up with a medical need for a two-week cruise. I, too, would enjoy that. Um, But this situation seems like common sense to me. But I'm betting that you cannot always assume that it would be lawful to terminate an employee who is using FMLA just because they are doing something fun or enjoying themselves while they're out on FMLA leave. Right, exactly. So I'll give you an example of where that turned out to be the case. There was a lawsuit uh, called Brady versus Bath Iron Works Corporation. And in that case, the employee, David Brady, was suffering from chronic depression and anxiety. He sought medical treatment and he was approved for intermittent FMLA leave. And then one morning after reporting to work, he begins experiencing debilitating, incapacitating exacerbation of his stress and anxiety. So he goes to check on his status of his renewed request for FMLA leave that he had made a few days earlier and confirmed that it had been approved. So he decides he needs to leave early that day, tells his supervisors. Before leaving, he goes and he loads his scrap his car with some scrap wood because the company is a, a shipyard, so they make this available to their employees to take. And in the process, he sees a coworker where they're clocking out, and the two make plans to go and grab lunch. Okay, I'm following so far. Guys approved for intermittent FMLA. He decides to take it one day, and it doesn't really seem like he did anything wrong at this point. Yeah, and I agree, but the employer didn't think so. So at that point, the labor relations department heard about his lunch plans and sent some employees to go check on him and see if indeed he's gone to lunch after saying he needs to leave to take FMLA leave. And they see David at a restaurant, and here's, of course, the part that really gets their attention. They see him with a beer. Ah, yeah. So later that day, the company's in-house physician faxes a letter to David's doctor seeking some clarification with respect to his intermittent FMLA leave. And then the next day when David shows up to work, he's not allowed on the premises. They do an investigation, they meet with him, and then end up terminating him for FMLA fraud. Wow, there is a lot going on in this case. Obviously, this gentleman sued. So what happened? So the company filed a motion to dismiss the lawsuit in the very beginning, and they argued that FMLA doesn't protect employees who want to take FMLA leave to go load free scrap wood and go to a local bar. And I I can understand that position, frankly, right? (laughs) Yeah, it, it makes sense at first blush, but the court disagreed, at least for the purpose of a motion to dismiss explaining that David alleged he, you know, got approval for FMLA leave because remember he checked on that. Um, you know, he used his leave to load his car and go socialize with a coworker, but this wasn't a situation where the employee was caught red-handed and engaging in some activity that was clearly inconsistent with the intended purpose of the leave. Okay. So something like the situation where you talked about last time, there was an employee who was out on FMLA leave for something related to his shoulder and the HR manager drove by and spotted him doing mechanic work under a car. 
Yeah. And those two are clearly inconsistent, right? Exactly. So, you know, apparently you're out because you have shoulder surgery and you're in pain, yet how can you really be working underneath a car? And this situation is a little bit different. Um, and the court found that he had sufficiently shown a causal connection between his leave and his termination. I mean, the employer conducts surveillance on him during his use of leave, and then they suspend him and terminate him without any discussion between the labor relations team or the company's physician and the doctor about whether his use of leave was consistent with treating his medical condition. So again, I think a a big distinction here is jumping to conclusions and him being out to lunch isn't necessarily inconsistent with his condition. I agree. And this is a, an example that should be a wake-up call for any employer that wants to immediately rush out, conduct surveillance, talk to the doctor, make a termination decision, uh, and jump to that conclusion, right? I agree. Agree. Now, again, this, was, this case was at the motion to dismiss stage, so it doesn't mean that the company can't win this type of case or that surveillance isn't a good idea, but... There was enough here that the judge said he sufficiently established a claim that would not be dismissed outright. I got it. And I think another point worth mentioning here is that there are parameters on how an employer can contact the medical provider to obtain additional information. Generally speaking, if an employee submits a complete um, sufficient medical certification signed by their healthcare provider, then the employer is not permitted to just reach out to that healthcare provider and obtain additional information from them. However, if that certification contains deficiencies that the employee can't cure, then the employer can contact the healthcare provider to authenticate the certification or clarify information within a certification. Certainly, we have all seen situations where there were exactly three blanks filled out on the FMLA certification form. However, if you're going to reach out to do that, it should be done through an HR professional, the leave administrator, or some management official rather than the employee's direct supervisor, right? Right, exactly. So, you know, that's why training is really important and supervisors need to be aware that they cannot be the ones calling the doctor. All right. So let me throw out another common problem. You have an employee, let's call her Lazy Linda, who is approved for intermittent FMLA for asthma. Linda is constantly late. She texts her coworker, she isn't coming in, and then she leaves early. So in my scenario here, even though Linda has a lot of occurrences, let's say for the most part, they are pretty much the length and frequency that is laid out in her FMLA certification form. However, Linda doesn't always follow the call-in procedure. Sometimes she just up and leaves her workstation without talking to her supervisor. Does she get a free pass because she has intermittent FMLA? Right. This is a good one. This can be tricky. And this is the type of employee, they're aware they're protected and they just think they can show up whenever they want because they're approved for intermittent FMLA leave. There are ways to manage this. First, employers should maintain a call-in policy that specifies when the employee should report any absence, uh, the person or the department where it should be reported, 
as well as the content of the call off. So in other words, you know, you can't just call and say, I'm not going to be here. If it's FMLA, you know, related, you need to say that. So in this situation, it may be that some of Linda's occurrences are necessary and protected by the FMLA because her asthma is flaring up, but it could be, you know, we don't have enough information that she's just late because she's sitting in her car trying to catch up on the latest episode of her favorite podcast. I'm sure it was that. And I'm also sure Linda was listening to our podcast, which is why she knows enough about the FMLA to try to game the system. Of course. Always the cynic, aren't you? <laughs> Me? I love people. I believe the best of people. <laughs> However, when you've been doing this for a decade or two, y- you start to notice, spot the employees who are most often the ones who cause confusion or create issues. Um, back to Linda. Any other tips for for handling her in this situation? Yeah, so I'd say when you first approve the leave, you know, particularly for intermittent leave, take the time to discuss the expectations with your employee who's taking the leave. So I mentioned the importance of having a call-in procedure. So make sure your employee understands those as well as your expectations for proper use of FMLA. For example, if your company doesn't permit moonlighting during leave and they can't be working another job, make sure your employee is aware of that and ideally have them sign off on it. I agree. Signed acknowledgements are always helpful if you have to defend a claim for FMLA interference or retaliation, or really any claim for that matter. As employment lawyers, good documentation is one of our favorite soapboxes. Um, Another place where documentation could help is when you have an employee return from FMLA leave, you could have them sign a certification stating that they actually took leave for the reason provided on their form. And obviously, this piece of paper can come in handy if you terminate an employee for, say, FMLA fraud, and they try to argue that it was FMLA interference. Or if the employee takes leave inconsistent with a stated reason, such as taking an FMLA booze cruise, let's say, then you avoid having to make the argument that they abused FMLA leave, and you can more easily demonstrate that they falsified a document and that you took action based on that falsified document, just as you would in any other situation, right? Great advice. The booze cruise almost made me laugh, except for the fact that that really happened in a case. (laughs) And that's the thing. There are all kinds of situations that we see where I'm not creative enough to make up the stuff that really happens. (laughs) All right. So there are limitations on what an employer can do, but the best advice then is to take advantage of, of what the regulations will permit, right? In the few minutes we have left, do you think you have one more negative practical advice on how to address some of these challenging FMLA scenarios? I could probably even give you two if you give me enough time. <laughs> you are awesome, Sherry. Thank you. Okay. All right. I'll talk fast. So let's do it. First, one of the best tools is to really carefully consider the certification form at the outset. So make sure you're obtaining the medical information necessary to determine whether the employee actually suffers from a serious health condition and is even entitled to leave. And you only get one chance to get a second and third opinion with that initial certification. You don't get a second or third opinion with the 
in, during the recertification process. So don't lose out on that opportunity if it's beneficial. You don't always need it, but sometimes you do. And then require employees to certify their absence and seek recertification at the earliest opportunity. So the second piece of advice I have for you is to address those Friday and Monday absences. Here you go with that Friday, Monday leave act thing, which I love, and I'm absolutely going to steal and use in my next presentation. Again, by all means. It wasn't even mine to begin with, so feel free. Okay, so in addition to that Friday-Monday pattern, you may also notice employees taking additional days off around a holiday uh, to extend their time off. And if you observe this type of pattern with absences, particularly if the absences exceed the estimate and the certification, you know, in other words, you know, we think that this employee is going to be out once a week or three times a month, but it's well in excess of that, then you may have the right to reach out to the employee's doctor. And in that scenario, you can have the doctor or provider confirm whether the pattern is in fact consistent with the employee's serious health condition and need for leave. That's a great point. And I'm sure a lot of companies could could use that um, to their advantage. But of course, you do need to ensure that you're doing all of this within the confines of the law and if you have any questions, always reach out to your, your favorite labor and employment lawyer uh, in your area. Before we wrap up, do you have any more fun stories that you want to share, Sherry, about something that you have actually seen? Um, FMLA abuse scenarios similar to what we've been talking about? Yes, uh, of course, there are plenty of those. So, you know, one that I wanted to share is I have a client that was seeing a spike in intermittent FMLA requests. And it's just, you know, word gets out that there's this law and you can take time off. And it started getting out of hand until they noticed that three employees were all seeing the same doctor. And on the certifications for two employees, they had the same narrative word for word in their forms regarding anxiety. So the employer decided to request uh, a second opinion on one of them, you know, had a conversation with the employee about it. And lo and behold, that employee decided to withdraw his request for leave. So sometimes a conversation is all that it takes. That was definitely a helpful thing to do as I'm sure it had a deterrent effect on the rest of the employees at that company who perhaps thought twice about going to the same doctor, making the same request for FMLA due to the same condition. Um, Thanks for sharing that, Sherry, and for all your other helpful advice and tips today. Thank you. Before we sign off, I have one small request for our listeners. We are a brand new podcast, and it would be great if those of you listening to us would follow us, rate us, and leave us a written review on iTunes, Blueberry, wherever else you get your podcasts, so that other people who are interested in employment and labor law can find us. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you tune in for the next episode on data privacy in a couple of weeks.